Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Amen and amen. Well, hey, if you have a Bible today, go with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Uh, We're continuing in a series that we started last week simply entitled uh, Psalm 23, The Lord is Our Shepherd. And uh, this morning as I was uh, here early praying and uh, joining in our our corporate prayer time, I just felt like the Lord just put this picture in my heart of something that he wanted to do today. Uh, Maybe it's not the only thing he wants to do, but I think it's part of what God uh, wants to and desires to do today. And uh, that, that is to cause worry and anxiety and fear to just fall off of our shoulders, I, I, I don't know what you came in here with today. I don't know what your uh, current life circumstance situation is, but, but I know one of the things that's very prevalent in our culture and society, it's just, it's worry. It's anxiety. It's this weight that we carry. And the picture that really came to, to, to my heart this morning was the picture of someone or something that just had some stuff on them, like some, some paint or some, de, some debris or some dirt and, and, and the rain came and just washed all of that off. And it didn't just wash it off, but it washed it away from under their feet. And I just think part of what the Lord is doing and wants to do, if you're here and you're carrying something, is he wants to, through his presence, he wants to wash all that off today. And he doesn't just want to wash it off your shoulders, but he wants to wash it out from under your feet and so it's not lingering anymore. And, and part of how I believe the Lord wants to do that is to give us a revelation, really, that the Lord, he really is our shepherd. Started this series last week entitled The Lord is Our Shepherd, uh, going through Psalm 23. And Pastor Gill started by, by, by just stating the obvious, maybe, really, that Psalm 23 is maybe one of the most known, memorized uh, passages in all of the Bible. Uh, Psalm 23, it's quoted and known and memorized, and it hangs on, uh, on walls and in bathrooms everywhere across the world. And, and because it is so familiar, it's, it's also one of the passages that maybe has the least impact on us. Have you noticed that, by the way, that that which we become familiar with, we often overlook and underappreciate? And, and part of the goal Pastor Gill was, was speaking to us last week in, in doing this study is, is to come around Psalm 23 and to say, Lord, help us to once again remember the power and the promises of this passage. Pastor Gill spoke last week from the passage and really brought to us these three truths that uh, Psalm 23, it helps us to remember that all of us, we need a shepherd. That there's not a single person in this room, no matter how educated or strong or uh, wealthy we may be, that is a self-sufficient, self-made man or woman. No, all of us, we need a shepherd. You know, the the way that the Bible describes you and I is is sheep. Psalm 100, Spencer led us in that this morning. Uh, It says, come before the Lord and remember that he is God and we are not. Remember that we are the sheep, his pasture. And pastor helped us to remember that all of us, we are in need of a shepherd and that the Lord is our shepherd. 
That God is not just wanting to be God who is far and distant, but rather he is close, he is near, and his desire is to walk with us and lead us and guide us and care for us. And Pastor Joe lastly uh, taught us last week that not only is the Lord our shepherd, but the Lord, he is a good shepherd. God is a faithful shepherd. God has set his love unconditionally upon us. And this morning, as we continue in Psalm 23, uh, we're going to talk today about how one of the aspects of the shepherd is that the shepherd is our provider. The shepherd's our provider. We're going to see today that God really has uh, made promises and come into covenant with us that all, so, someone say all. All right, we, we're getting a little better. It's still, it's 9.32, we're 10 minutes in. Uh, there's a little bit better, but not all the way better. But, but, but that God, he really is the one who he provides for all of our needs. And I, I know a lot of times when we talk about need and provision, uh, if you're anything like me, maybe it's the culture we're raised in, but our mind can immediately go to money. Our mind immediately goes to just dollars and cents. Yeah, God, God wants to, to provide. But the reality is you and I, we have so much need outside of just money, don't we? We, we have so much need outside of just dollars in a, in a bank account. No, we, we, have, we have need holistically in our life. And, and the Bible's promised that God's the one who wants to provide and meet all of our needs. And so I want to read to you today, Psalm 23. We're reading from the New King James Version. Uh, I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we'll come back and read the first three verses again. Uh, reading from the New King James Version, though, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies." You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it runs over. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the church said, amen. I wanna go back to the first three verses and I wanna point something out to you, just how personal this psalm is. You know, it's one thing to know something, it's another thing to personally have a revelation of something that, no, it's not just information, it's information that applies to, to me. And I want you to notice something that really, honestly, I'd never noticed before until last week, Pastor Gil was preaching and this just jumped off the page, how personal David writes this psalm. So first three verses again, Psalm 23, verse one, and listen to what David writes. Psalm 23, verse one, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. The Lord is, he's, he, he, he's my shepherd. He's with, he's with me. And because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me think of Psalm 91 where David writes, he says, you know, though 10,000 may fall at my, or 1,000 may fall at my right and 10,000 at my left, it shall not come near me. What was this revelation that David had that he goes, I don't know about you. I don't know about her. I don't know about him. I don't know about them. But what I know about me 
is that the world could be crashing all around. A thousand people could literally be slain at my right and 10,000 at my left, but it wasn't even near me. Why? Because, well, because the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, so I shall not want. Verse two, listen to how personal this is. He makes me, he makes me. I don't know what your schedule's like, and I don't know how you prioritize your days, but he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. David seemed to have this very personal revelation, realization that God's with me, God is near me. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. What we're going to talk about today simply is this, the title of the sermon, that the Lord, he is our good shepherd, and he is a shepherd that provides. He's a shepherd that provides. Um, I don't know if you have children. Uh, Many of you know my wife and I, we have four children, uh, almost nine. Uh, Evelyn's eight. She'll be nine in January. Uh, Brooklyn Page just turned seven yesterday, celebrated the seventh birthday yesterday. Uh, Graham turned five in July. And Bethany Rose, uh, we call her Betty when she gets crazy. Uh, There's Bethany. She's sweet and kind and wonderful, and we love her. And then there's Betty. And ain't nobody want to meet Betty. Betty is, she, she's a Betty. And, and so we got Bethany Rose. And I, I don't know if you have kids, but I often find myself with my children in between two emotions. Like, for, for example, uh, in between the emotion of just wanting my kids to, to grow up. Uh, yesterday, I don't know if I said it out loud. Uh, my wife would probably nod and say, I did say it out loud. I really don't remember. But we were trying to get ready for, for, for Brooklyn's birthday. And, and Bethany had left the building and Betty entered the building. And, and she wanted to be held, but we, we couldn't hold her. And she just stood in our bathroom while we got ready and she just screamed at us. And a part of me thought, oh, I can't wait for this season, this phase to be over. And, 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 and I'm in between the emotion of wanting my kids and being excited about my kids getting older and just the, the, the new seasons that brings. And then all it takes is a memory to pop up on my phone. This happened to you. My iPhone will pop up an old picture. This past week, it popped up a picture of the first time uh, that I ever took Evelyn, my daughter, to the movies. We went and saw Ferdinand, uh, and she was three years old. And in a second... I can go from wanting this or being excited about my kids getting older to going, oh, no, 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 no. Please never, ever grow up, ever. Uh, Graham, my son, he mispronounces words all the time, and I love it. And every time he does, I think, I never want you to say that correctly. That is so adorable. Another area that I'm in between emotions is um, the, the reality that I really, really want my kids to stop coming to my room at night. Can I get an amen for any, any of the parents? And you can probably understand that emotion is like, this is my bedroom. You have a bedroom. You have a bed. You have bedding. You, this is my bedroom. And I just want to go to sleep. And oh, I long for the day when I can go to sleep. And the next time I wake up, it's morning time. Because I have not experienced that in a very long time. And, and I, I, I get frustrated and I'm like, I don't know, guys, please, 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 I beg of you, stop coming to my room. But if I'm honest, 
I'm kind of in between emotions because there's a part of me that I, I really like them coming to my room. I don't like uh, necessarily getting woken up, and I don't like having to build pallets and make beds at 2 a.m., but, but I know why they come to my room. They come to my room because may, maybe you can remember this as a kid, uh, because there's something about being close to mom and dad. There's something about be, be, being near mom and dad that there's a safety and a security and a peace that that brings. Oh, my, my kids sleep like rocks, cuddled up in a little pallet next to, why? Because, because they're close to mom and dad. And one of the things that I, I realize is that part of our roles as parents is to teach our kids who God is and how God is by, by the way that we interact and the way we love and parent them. So there's a part of me that goes, please stop coming to my room forever. Another part of me goes, no, I, I actually appreciate it and I like because there's something that is real about when we are in the presence of, of our Heavenly Father. That when we really experience the presence of God and when we really know that we are near and close in right relationship and proximity to, to God, to our heavenly father, to the good shepherd, that it causes peace and security and confidence. So much so that all the worry and the anxiety, it, it falls off of our shoulders because we're close. David writes this in Psalm 23, verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. This word want, it's a Hebrew word, and, and what it's not referring to is just frivolous desire or wish. It's not referring to just the things that we really want in life. I want a new phone. I want a new car. We want a bigger house. I want a better job. I want. It's not referring to just the frivolous desire we often have, but rather <clears throat> the things that uh, that we that we need, the necessities of our life. So rather than referring to just frivolous want or desire, it refers to one being devoid or lacking in any area of of need. You know, one of the things we have to be careful of is we have to be careful that we don't um, become deceived and in a part of our life act like, believe like God is not a faithful provider because we have been raised by culture that says we should get everything that we want. I, I don't know who this is for and it's kind of silly, but maybe, maybe it sinks in. Um, God is not in covenant with us to be Santa Claus. You know that, right? Like, like God, he, he doesn't invite us to come and sit on his lap and tell us all the things that we really, really want. And if we're a good little boy or a good little girl, then we're going to wake up and all the, the presents, the Red Rider BB gun will be there. It, that's, God's not Santa Claus. And I think sometimes we can forget and we can even in our heart become unthankful and ungrateful because, well, I don't really think and believe God's really a faithful provider because I don't have all the things that I that I want. But David says, no, the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I shall never be in need. Oh, I might not have everything that I want, but God has promised and made covenant with me that in all seasons, at all times, I will have everything that I, that I need. 
Jesus, he is the fulfillment of Psalm 23 in that he is the good shepherd. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. Uh, I'm gonna read verse 25 and then skip to verse 31. Matthew chapter six, verse 25, here's what Jesus said. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry. Let that sink in for a second. He says, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Uh, skipping to verse 30, 31, he says again, therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Pause for a second. Jesus is saying, don't worry and be consumed with the care and the anxiety for things that you have need of because this is how the whole world lives. Worrying and being stressed and, and, and being unsure and feeling pressure. Will we have what we need? He goes, don't, don't do that. For your heavenly father, he knows that you have need of all these things. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus writes and he says to us, he says, don't worry. Again, can I just encourage someone today that we don't have to carry maybe what we're carrying. This is where 1 Peter 5, 7, I believe it is, says that we can cast all of our care Upon who? Upon God. Because he cares for us. He says, don't, don't worry about all the things that can, he says, no, no, just know that your heavenly father, the good shepherd, he knows all things that you have need of. And if you will but seek first, someone say first. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, in other words, prioritize right relationship with him, intimacy with him, that all these things will be added to you. What things? The things that you have need of. Can I just encourage you that we have a shepherd, we serve a God who is our shepherd, and because he is our shepherd, we have promises that tangibly all things that we have need of, he will freely and generously provide for us. Again, if you're taking notes, you can write down, first thought today is simply that, that he provides for all of my tangible needs. Can I just say that we serve a God who provides for all of our tangible needs, but not only that, you can write this down if you're taking notes. Second thought today is this, that he also provides, he provides for my soul. I, I, I think about the words of Jesus who says this, what is it for a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? But Bible says, uh, Psalm 23, uh, verse two and three, we'll read this again. David writes and says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Verse three, listen to this. And he restores, he restores, he restores my soul. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. That word restore, again, it's a Hebrew phrase which refers to something being brought back to full capacity, something being replenished and fully refreshed. Uh, I don't know if you do this, but I often forget to charge my phone. 
Come on, anyone here this morning, you are like me. You often forget to charge the phone. And I always kick myself because I have a charger next to my bed. And I can't tell you how many nights I fall asleep and the phone is not plugged in. The, the source is near. It's a, I, I, just, I just forget to plug it in. And uh, the other day I was doing something on my phone and all of a sudden the screen just turned black. I'm clicking it just, and I realize my phone is dead. You pl- plug the phone in and it doesn't turn on automatically. It's just if you have an iPhone, it's the symbol of a charger and some sort of like red battery indicating, no, you have no more life left. You are, you are dead, dead. And, and it has to sit there for a minute. And, and what does the charger do? It, it brings life back to it. It replenishes it, brings full energy back to it. Uh, this word soul, it's another Hebrew word, and it refers to the most inner part of an individual, specifically the mind, or of an individual, specifically the mind, the will, and the emotions. You know, we, we live in a world that is a very secular world and a secular culture. Uh, if you're not aware of that, um, you should maybe... I don't know, watch the news more or something because it should be pretty obvious and apparent. We live in a very secular world, a very secular culture. And I heard one person recently say this, that a secular world and culture is a shepherdless world and culture. That a secular world and culture, it really, it's a shepherdless world and culture because the secular world we live in, what it does is it makes you and I the gods of our own life. We, again, we live in a very individual culture where everything it's about self-realization and self-actualization and self-pleasure and self-fulfillment and all these things that really just revolve around me, myself, and I. And here is uh, what uh, psychologists and st- uh, statisticians, or I think that's how you say it, all, you know, all over are saying that this really isn't helping us, it's killing us. That because we're so self-centered, Life revolves around self that we've also become the, the source of our life. That we're the ones that have to energize ourselves. We're the ones that have to resource. We're the ones that have to, I, and it's all about self. And what's happening, psychologists will say, is it's creating this chronic sense of exhaustion. Anybody else, and you don't have to put your hand up, but you just, I don't know, you wake up and you realize sometimes, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. And I'm not necessarily physically tired. I'm, I'm just tired on the inside. There's this word that's become somewhat popular, I think, culturally, but it's this word burnout. The word burnout was coined in the 1970s. And uh, this word burnout, uh, it describes a weariness of the soul, an internal exhaustion that goes beyond our body, and it cannot be fixed by simply just physical rest or replenishment. I, I don't have the source, and I apologize, uh, but one psychologist, don't know the source again, uh, says it this way, that burnout in our culture has not become a temporary affliction, but rather it's become our cultural condition. It's become our base temperature, our background music. The way that things are, it's the way we live. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't experienced it, but I know that Many people, including myself, that I know and I'm connected to, have experienced or are experiencing a weariness of the soul, a tiredness from the inside out that really comes from bearing the weight and the burden of life alone. If it's 
It's not me. It's not meant to be. And if I don't make it happen, it's not going. And, and we, we bear the weight and the burden of life. J- just yesterday, <clears throat> woke up and um, I did not go to Instagram before I went to the Bible. Maybe I did. Um, but, but maybe I was led there. I'm kidding. I wasn't led there. Um, but but, but I, I turned my phone on and I went to Instagram <clears throat> and I had a message from, from a, a really, I can't say lifelong friend, but someone that I knew was good friends with all through middle school and high school. Haven't talked to them in 15 plus years. And I wake up to this just page upon page message. What do you do when you feel like the world is stacked against you? Have you ever felt like you're losing your faith? Have you ever felt like you believe in God, but at the same time, you don't know if God is real? I feel like I'm going through hell. What do I do? friend that I knew a long time ago and happens to know that I'm a pastor and we start messaging back and forth. And, and, and really what it is, it's the, it's the burnout or weariness on the inside. Life is a lot. The pressure of my finances are a lot. <clears throat> the pressure of being a dad. And it's, it, it's just a lot, man. And I feel so, so weary. And I love that David recognizes that we don't just need physical things taken care of. We don't just need our tangible needs met. Well, sometimes we think we do. We're not brand, I, I, trust me, if I just have more money, then I would be, it's not true. And David says, not only is the Lord my shepherd, so I shall not want, but he's the one who he restores and replenishes my soul. You can go back to verse two and three. Um, Psalm 23, verse two and three, he says, the, the way he restores my soul is that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down beside green pastures. This word makes me lie down. Um, It does not depict what I may or may not do often with my children. Get into bed. Stay in your bed tonight. You just go go to bed. Why are you up? Go to, it's not like he's making you, but rather it's this phrase that indicates the very presence of someone bringing such peace that you can. David says, he's not forcing me, but his presence that is so near, it allows me to and causes me to. And he leads me to green pastures. He leads me to places where my, where my soul can be fed and replenished. He leads me to places besides still waters where his presence and his spirit can fill me and replenish me. Oh, Psalm says that God, he is our provider that provides for our tangible needs. But he also supplies our soul. He provides for our soul. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I believe it is. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to read to you Matthew eleven twenty eight from the message translation. Uh, the message translation is not a word for it. It's a paraphrase. And so maybe a more appropriate way would say Eugene Peterson's uh, translation says this. Are you tired? 
Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live, listen to this, freely and lightly. I know that that's his paraphrase, but I love that phrase. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. Can I ask you this morning, are you living freely and lightly? Do do, do you just have, for lack of better words, a pep in your step? Man, when people get around you, is your natural disposition just a smile? Do you feel light? Do you feel free? Do you feel free of burden and stress? because of the presence of a shepherd. Because David writes, and the Lord is my shepherd. Because he's my shepherd, because he's with me. I shall not want. I'm okay. I know in every season at all times, I'm always going to have everything that I have need of. Man, he's so good. He, He leads me beside green pastures and still waters. By the way, this is how I know God wants me to play more golf because if green pastures and still waters doesn't sound like a golf course to me, I don't know what does. He leads me besides green pastures and still waters. Why? Because he's restoring my soul. Because he doesn't just meet my needs tangibly, but he restores and replenishes my soul. How, how, how does he do this though? Because that sounds really beautiful and really pretty and that, that, that's really inspirational. Thanks so much. But how does that meet my Monday morning? Because that doesn't sound practical. Well, I'll give you this last thought this morning and we'll close with this, that the way he does this is that he provides for us a better way. See, Jesus, he, he, he's our shepherd, and he, he goes, don't worry, don't be anxious. This is how the people of the world live. I know what you need. If you will seek me, I'll provide what you need. He, he invites us to come to him so our soul can be restored, but he also provides for us a better way. The Bible says this in Psalm 23, verse 3. It'll be the last time we reference this today. It says, he restores my soul. How? By leading me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. We won't take time to read this, but uh, last week, Pastor Gil talked about and brought us to John chapter 10. Uh, If you're taking notes, you can write the reference, verse 14 and verse 27. And he talked about how Jesus, as our shepherd, how he knows the sheep and is known by the sheep. How the sheep, they know his voice and they hear his voice and they're led by him. In other words, Jesus, he paints a picture for you and I of proximity, of intimacy, of closeness. So much so that we recognize and we know his voice. I know I've used this illustration before, but if I was in a busy airport and it was crowded, noise all over the place, and my dad, screamed my name, I would recognize it. Why? Because for 35 years now, I've learned the sound of his voice. 
Jesus describes an intimacy with him, a proximity that even when we, we can't hear it audibly, we know his voice. We, 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 we know the sound and the feel of him calling and leading. And, and the Bible says part of how he restores our soul and part of how he uh, provides for us is by leading us in paths of righteousness. In other words, by giving us a, a better way. Proverbs 14, 12, we'll only reference it here for a moment, but it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You ever thought something was the best way only to discover it was not the best way? You ever ordered something off a menu thinking it was the best option only to quickly discover that was not the best option? The Bible goes there's ways that seem right to us. Legitimately, in all of our thinking and education and all the cultural um, for, formation that, 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 that's happened in our life, there's ways that seem right. Hey, you know, I was thinking, I was even praying, and this seems like the, but, but, but the end is destruction. I love this, Proverbs 133. I love this scripture. Solomon writes, but whoever listens to me, me being God, not Solomon, Whoever listens to me, listen to this, will dwell safely and be secure without fear of evil. Did you know that the ways of God actually provide for us safety, security, peace? That, that in listening to and following and being led by him, we can experience an overwhelming sensation and, 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 and realization of peace. I don't know how it's going to work out, man. I'm not 100% sure how all this is going to shake out, but I know I'm right where God wants me. I know I'm, I'm, I'm doing what God has asked for me to do. I, 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 know, I, I know it doesn't make sense. You probably would have invested your money that way, but I just know that God was leading us to make this move. And because I know that God's leading me and he's my shepherd, I just have peace, man. I know it's going to, there, there's so many things that uh, Jenny and I have decided to do over the, the last number of years that very well-meaning people in our church who love God and love us go, hey, can I talk to you? I don't know if that makes the most business. And it's like, well, no, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and we, we seek the multitude of counsel because there's safety that the Bible says. But hey, I know on the surface it doesn't look like it makes sense, but we just have such peace and confidence because we know this is what God's asking us to do. And David said this good shepherd, part of how he restores our soul and provides for us is by leading us in paths of righteousness. In John chapter 10, this passage that Pastor Gill preached last week where Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, Jesus says this. He goes, you know, the thief doesn't come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come, the good shepherd of the sheep, but I have come, my sheep may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I love that first John, the apostle John writes and says, I'm writing to you that your joy may be fulfilled. 
I'm writing to you that the smile and the freeness and the lightness of life might come back. I'm writing to you so that you may have joy again. Jesus said, I've come, the good shepherd of the sheep, to be near and and to draw nigh to my own, to lead them and guide them so they may have life and life to the the full. Can I ask you this morning, church, are, are you living a life that's led by the good shepherd? Or or are you living a maybe more secular shepherdless life? That you are the good shepherd of your life. I appreciate you, God. I'm here. I'll sing the songs. I'll listen to the sermon. But I got this. I don't know if you know where I went to school. But I got this. I, I don't know if you've looked lately, God, at the zeros in my bank account. But I got this. I don't know if you're aware, God, uh, of the resume that I've built for myself, but I got this. I'm the, be careful now, because sometimes, sometimes we get the thing that we want and it's not the thing that we want. God says, okay, be the shepherd of your life. I'm not, I'm not leaving you, but okay, be the shepherd of your life, son. See how that works out for you. Oh, you, 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 want, you want to be the boss man and call the shots. Okay. See how that, that's not what we want, church. Come on. There's a way that seems right, but it's not the better way. It might be your way, but it's not the, there's a better way that he invites us into. He leads us in paths of righteousness. Why? So our soul can be restored. I don't know who this is for, but as we close, I just felt prompted through my study to remind you that a lot of times the way that he leads us is either through addition or subtraction. And, and we, we talk a lot about addition, all right? I gotta add my Bible reading and add my prayer and add my journaling and add, and, and we have all these things we have to add. And, and, and I'm, you know, you, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest proponent on spiritual disciplines and all these things. But, but sometimes what we forget is that there are spiritual disciplines or, or let's, let's say this, there's ways that Jesus invites us into that they, they are addition. But then there's ways that Jesus invites us into that are subtraction. Like when's the last time we've talked about Sabbath? When's the last time we've thought about solitude, silence, simplicity, of living. And I, I would just invite you to consider, Lord, as you begin to lead me, the good shepherd of my life, lead me to a place where I have peace and confidence and security because you're providing for me, you're restoring my soul. Lord, are you leading me right now in this season to add some stuff? Maybe, but it might be possible where he's leading you you got to start subtracting some stuff. I didn't, I actually didn't co-sign on those 35 hobbies you have and the 17 million commitments that you made. I actually didn't add those 300 apps to your phone. All these things that are leaving you, it's busy. When did busyness become the badge of honor that we wear? How you doing? Ah, 
busy, man. Just, I, I, I don't know. Does that sound like green pastures and still waters? The shepherd of the sheep don't go, you know what, guys? I don't know if you've ever seen, seen the movie Heavyweights with, with Ben Stiller, it's a classic. And uh, he's you know, got on the spandex and he's taking him on, a, on, a, on an adventure hike. That's not the good shepherd. All right, guys, come on, we gotta. It says he leads us besides green pastures and still waters so that our soul can be restored. I know if I'm just being honest, there's things that I've added to my life. He didn't co-sign on those. That's, that's me being the boss. That's me being the shepherd. And sometimes it's not that we got to add more stuff. It's that we got to go, God, let's just be honest. I've added all these things to our busy schedule and it's keeping us like this. And because I'm like that, I don't even have the ability to be led to green pastures and still waters. I'm tired. I'm weary. And if I'm honest, I'm tired and weary because I'm trying to make it happen for myself. If I don't, it won't. Listen, man, if it's not in my power, then it's not going to. And, and Jesus invites us to a better way. A better way that says, God, you are God and I am not. I'm the sheep of your pasture. So lead me. Cast my care upon you and I thank you, God, that I might not have everything that I want, but God, you always ensure I have everything that I need. God, you're trying to lead me so that my soul can be restored and it's through a better way. I believe that as we, that we're led by his spirit, as we allow the shepherd to lead us, that we will experience the better way. Can I pray for you today, church? Lord, today, I thank you that we don't have to be the shepherd of our own life, that we don't have to be the leader, the provider, the sustainer of our own life and family. No, God, you are the shepherd. Jesus, you are the fulfillment of Psalm 23. You are the good shepherd who has given your life for the sheep, who draws near to the sheep who is known by and who knows the sheep. And so I pray today that you would help every single person under the sound of my voice, even those watching online, to fully surrender their heart and life to you. Oh God, would you lead us in your ways? Would you lead us in the better way, God? That we would not only experience the tangible needs we have met, but we would experience the replenishment, the restoration of our soul. I pray that God, like Eugene Peterson said, that we learn to live lightly and freely as we come to Jesus to receive from him the rest we need in time of need. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen and amen. messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.